She's going to trust me. Hello, Mrs. Lloyd. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm not bad, thanks. I'm uh, remotely starting a recorded conversation with you to pose a question to you. I'm, I have no idea what this question is. No, so let's see how this goes. Mrs. Lloyd, hmm. I've, been having a, I've been having a ponder about Christmas because back in Halloween, I exclusively only watched Halloween-adjacent films. Hmm. Uh, had, to, had to be somewhat monster-related. Didn't have to be scary, but had to have some element of monsters or ghosts and whatnot. So I'm probably going to do the same for Christmas. And I kicked off with Frozen. Yeah. And there are loads of Christmas films. There's things that really aren't Christmassy, but are wintry like Frozen. And there's things like Die Hard that are set at Christmas. Uh, things like Elf. Home Alone. I'd put Home Alone, yeah. Wintery. But it got me thinking that when it comes to Christmas stories on the printed page... Yes. Uh, there's a handful of short stories that'll be fluffy Christmasiness, mm. and there's picture books that are about Santa, mm. and occasionally uh, murder at Christmas is quite a genre. Yeah. Walk into any bookshop at Christmas, and there's lots of uh, snowy covers. There's a whole series, isn't there, with a very similar yeah. design on them. Yeah. But why is it? That if you're actually looking for a Christmas story on the printed page, it's always about ghosts. Well, this is a very specific tradition, right? Mm. I feel like I should have a better answer to this question because I love a Christmas ghost story and I've definitely watched documentaries about them. I think it mostly comes from television. It mostly comes from uh, the BBC adaptations of the M.R. James series. But then... A Christmas Carol. Christmas. The the most Christmassy of Christmas stories <laughs> is about ghosts, even if it's not necessarily a scary story. But couldn't that could that not be the start of the tradition that you just have the most iconic Christmas story happens to be about ghosts, and so that tradition continues. I hate not having a proper answer to this question. This is the sort of thing I really want to know. Yeah, I know, and that's why I thought I'd throw us in this because um, I figured we could explore it. But but I I I feel like I just want to Google it. That's no, we can't Google. We we we've got to put our thinking hats on. So got to, okay. Um, so are there ghost traditions at Christmas that predate uh, a Christmas carol? I mean, are we are we talking biblical here? Do we go as far back as the nativity? Because while the nativity is quite a um, happy scene, there's definite trappings of the supernatural in there, right? I suppose the star and yeah. the angels. Is that what you're thinking? Or yeah, yeah. Not necessarily anything more specific. I feel like that's stretching your point a little bit, though. Because okay. There are, there are lots of things. There are lots of biblical things. That. So we're not going that far back. I, I don't know. I I think something else that I definitely associate with Christmas is folk and fairy tales. I think mostly yeah. Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales. Hmm. I feel like they are deliberately Christmassy, and there's something. There's very often something very unsettling in folk and fairy tales. Maybe not in yep. Hans Christian Andersen, but but something like ah, here's one. 
the little match girl yes yeah. very much like a ghost story right yeah which which then makes me realize that actually it's not that far-fetched to go quite back because christmas is a season that in the uh western world in the northern hemisphere we associate with winter and winter is a season of death right yeah so actually it's intertwined i think there is that literary tradition that comes from the beginnings of of story that comes from grim fairy tales that is to do with death being a sort of place of rebirth and that you have to there's a really interesting book called and i might be going a bit over the top here but there's a really interesting book called from tongue to text which is about nursery rhymes and it's about the fact that nursery rhymes are very often very very traumatic Um, And the idea in this book is that you the nursery rhyme is it contains trauma. So you might have someone, I don't know, like Humpty Dumpty falling off a wall or I feel like there's a a nursery rhyme where someone's thumb gets cut off or something or Miss Muffet with a spider behind landing beside you or whatever. Yeah. And this book kind of talks about the fact that the very fact that nursery rhymes rhyme and they have this very predictable rhythm makes the trauma of those moments contained and more able to deal with so so they're like a place where you practice being scared yeah and so it might so it sort of makes a sense to me to say that you would always have an aspect of horror or trauma or uh just the uncanny contained within any festival that was a celebration and because because you there's no such thing as life without death or or the other way around i don't know yeah is that tenuous is that ridiculous a a little bit but there's something there's something interesting in there because and then i don't know i'm trying to think as far back as i can with specific things so the things that come to mind is that no matter what tradition of santa claus and father christmas you're dating back to Mm. and no matter how warm and fuzzy it is it's inherently menacing that a man climbs into your house in the middle of the night judges your moral soul and either leaves you gifts or admonishments uh based on how you've acted and all the different uh i can't think of any explicitly now but i know that some of the scandinavian forms of santa claus there's all sorts of odd traditions yeah and the the whole sort of krampus figure is often um a lot more menacing and that's been played on in some films recently and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah one of the key figures of christmas is already quite a menacing figure and that's that starts to make sense and then i'm not as familiar with it as i'd like to be but uh, shakespeare's a winter's tale Mm. Um, definitely has a reference to some sorts of sprites or goblins or something of like that. Something even more basic than that. It's mm. easier to tell a horror story when it's darker outside. Yeah, yeah, that makes so. The Year Thirteens often do a, um, a short film as part of their media coursework, mm. and because short stories, they're hard to really make into a compelling story we advise them to go for horrors and thrillers because they're nice and easy to tell with a twist in a few minutes and they often end up filming those 
during the winter months by chance, but it works because the sun is setting at like 4 p.m. We're already out. And I suppose you've got the extra traditions. I don't know when Halloween dates back to. I can't remember. But you've got those extra traditions around a lot of this stuff over time that this is a season steeped in darkness. Yeah. So what we're saying is because um, the further back in time you go, the more actual peril is attached to that darkness. So when it's it's cold, you are more likely to die if if you don't have houses and electricity and, and all the rest of it that that's a more perilous time so you might there might be a heightened anxiety about death and so you need to make death more manageable by telling stories about it so that makes sense yeah no i I, so i buy that but if i remember correctly frankenstein opens mid-december and and all all these different uh, christmas related folklore has its roots in that darkness but at some point the simple ghost story does become a defining feature and part of that is going to be a christmas carol right mm. and and that setting a standard and the christmas carol isn't a particularly scary book although i suppose the fear in that comes less from the ghosts and more being forced to look at yourself mm-hmm. and what you do and even I, I definitely experience it as a story that has ghosts in it as opposed to a ghost story. Yes, yeah. But the, but then that is the difference, right? That even the most moral and good person would be reading A Christmas Carol and thinking about whether they live a life true to the virtues that they think they should. That Scrooge is battled that he has overlooked so much of what really he should be doing so I, I i guess that's where that fear comes from and maybe that's where ghosts sort of cement themselves but why is it that okay i've got two more things i want to add go on one is that i i'm thinking of modern horror stories set at christmas which is a, a relatively new kind of phenomenon very specific Christmas horror stories as opposed to ghost stories Um, and that's just sort of a fun idea because Mm. because of the juxtaposition of happy jolly fun family time uh ghost is is a fun juxtaposition um uh I had another idea as well it's gone it's completely gone uh oh yeah I was uh so Christmas and New Year sort of uh aren't that separate i yes. sort of feel like just one long thing christmas and you go right through to new year and new year is an obvious kind of time of rebirth and i and, and i think it's the same at easter it's the same with sort of may day or any kind of pagan celebration mm. any kind of point of change in the year has the sort of taint of death about it both the both the taint of death and the taint of rebirth yeah. it would definitely be a biblical thing right yeah yeah so i so i'm gonna add those two things into the pot Mm. but it still feels like we don't quite have an answer to why why a little ghost child wandering around a scary house feels more christmassy than any other time of year it is a tough one it is a tough one so you mentioned um james's christmas 
uh, ghost story, James's ghost stories, and how seasonal they are early on. Mm. Now, I haven't read many of them. What's yeah. the general? So, <laughs> so the the gro- the best one is um, a whistle, and I'll come to you, my lad. Mm. Which is about a man who finds a whistle buried on a cliff, and he's a sort of scholar. And he digs up this whistle and it says on it, who is this who is coming? Which I think is one of the greatest, (laughs) most sinister lines in any, I just love it. Who is this who is coming? Mm. Uh, And essentially the object is haunted. Um, And it's the greatest one because it has the greatest BBC adaptation and just brilliant. And everyone should definitely watch it. The rest of the stories are pretty much rehashings of that story. So more than it, and this is mean because I really enjoy his stories, but uh, more than any other writer, he wrote the same story over and over again. So Mm. a scholar goes into a library, pulls out strange and mysterious occult book, starts reading it, gets haunted. Scholar lives in house with unusual doorknob uh, and doorknob starts knocking in the middle of the night and ghosts start coming into his house house you know scholar finds strange pen (laughs) like like it's pretty much people in the image of himself because he was an oxford scholar finding objects and those objects having uh, an association with the occult or with history and and somehow being imbued with some kind of spirit or haunting Hmm. so this this has sparked a thought for me though and yes, there's the repetition in his own story that sort of lends itself to this. But so many of these ghost stories are about individuals, right? Mm. People on their own. Um, and and even when they're not, a lot of the time the ghosts themselves are these lost individuals. Mm. Maybe the answer is something as simple as Christmas is a time, no matter how far back you go when people come together right like it's it's christian roots are in the very foundation of family it's the birth of a child and when a couple become a family Mm. so yeah yeah with with family at its core then maybe we can look at ghost stories through that filter where any story, whether that's Scrooge realising that he's spent his whole life without building any sense of family around mm. him and turning away his own family in the story, or this is uh, a ghost child wandering around a house on its own, these stories sort of, in various ways, lament the loss of family or the isolation of being removed from them. So it's not that they're necessarily christmas stories but that they're at christmas because this is the time when families are you know supposed to come together and the idea of a story about being adrift from the people that you have connections to being lost or being dead and lost is inherently interesting that's interesting so so i had a similar thought when you said as someone wandering around alone in a house and I think there's something, it's not just family, it's to do with the domestic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because in M.R. James stories, very often, it's not very comfortable domestically. You know, it's it's someone in a guest house or it's someone in a library. Um, 
and the other the other part of that is so something like the Amityville horror, which is a family being haunted, doesn't feel yeah. the slightest bit Christmassy to me. The other thing you sparked several thoughts for me, so thank you. The other thing that made me think about was if if it's if one of the key points in this we're saying is a Christmas carol, then that's perhaps also the origin of why we still associate Christmas as being a sort of Victorian time of year, you know, yeah. Victorian Christmas. And so the, those two things sort of go together because you're thinking of a, a period in history that is far enough away to be relatively alien, mm. but it's still somewhat recognisable as a, a modern world. Yeah, and yeah, so, that makes sense. Yeah, and so you might associate that with relatively recent death most ghosts are either medieval or victorian i think well i'm not, I'm, I'm gonna go as far as say there aren't many ghost stories that play up medieval ghosts i don't know i just didn't want to say all ghosts were victorian it felt like a bold statement so I but, the, the but yeah not not all ghosts will be for but for the bulk of it we are talking victorian era onwards aren't we mm. And and I sort of feel like it's not unfair to suggest that that's when society sort of starts to grapple a bit more with our mortality in the sense that mm, so much of society was fractured and expendable before then mm. that we understood that the lower classes would die with a lot more ease and there was a huge, huge separation. And once you start hitting the Victorian era, and the industrial revolution and times changing so that the gaps in ex- in access to resources in education and all of these things shorten suddenly all of culture becomes a lot more afraid of death well that's interesting isn't it because i the 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 sort of victorian cult of death isn't there because yeah because of victoria being in mourning Albert yes. and, and the sort of obsession with mourning, but but more than that, the kind of interest in spiritualism and occultism and that whole thing, um, death photography and like yeah. capturing uh, the image of what someone last saw before they died, and they, they had all these beliefs that are very compelling. They, they feel like they very much lend themselves to literature, and what you said made me wonder whether really throughout history we haven't had much control over our mortality really like hospitals and doctors don't really exist for the majority of history you might have herbalists or you might have what sort of become commonly understood to be witches or you might have bone setters but but the victorian area is really when you start to think about medicine in a more structured way and so you start to have you start to have control over mortality and that you know the idea that the idea that it's inevitable and there's nothing you can do about it makes it a more frightening idea so you're less likely to even go anywhere near it as soon as it becomes something that you have the illusion of control over it becomes much more interesting and sort of culturally significant and so then it becomes a part of your the cultural life of that era which would include literature so there we go. Yeah. There's our answer. Wonderful.
Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. We we don't really know why ghosts are so much a part of Christmas, but it probably lies somewhere in the in the domestic, in the understanding that it's time for family, in the way that the Victorians approached life and death, and also that when it's Christmas and it's dark outside and you turn on the lights or you light a fire, it's a little bit exciting just to scare yourself a little bit, isn't it? Yes. Merry Christmas. <laughs>